Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. We welcome you today to this episode. We're in a series from the Gospel of John entitled, Behold Your God. Indeed, that is exactly what we're seeing in the Gospel of John as we see the Lord Jesus Christ reveal to us God in human form. Today's episode will focus on John chapter 8. John is the fourth gospel. It is the fourth book in the New Testament, which is basically uh, roughly the last half of your Bible. So find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then you'll be at the Gospel of John and go to chapter 8. The title of the episode today is Law and Order, How God Deals with Sinners. So let's go immediately to John chapter 8. If you read back just a little bit at the end of John chapter 7, the Lord Jesus Christ had just proclaimed himself to be the water of life, the living water at the Feast of Tabernacles at the temple in Jerusalem. This, of course, led to a great confrontation When it was over, at the end of John chapter 7, you see that all of the religious leaders who were opposing him at night went back to their homes, basically uh, clocked another day, you know, another day at the office in rejecting Jesus as God. But in John 8, 1, we see Jesus went somewhere else. We read here, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And that is a, a hilltop outside Jerusalem with gardens on it at that time and may still have gardens. I'm not sure about that. But we know that so often the Lord went to the Mount of Olives to pray and to commune with the Father as the Son. So while everybody else regarded just opposing Jesus as business as usual, I think this grieved the heart of the Son of God who was trying to reach these people to believe in Him and be saved. So I believe it's not stretching it at all to say that when He went to the Mount of Olives, He sought the Father's communion and prayer and prayed for these people that their eyes would be opened. All right, let's go to verse 2 in John 8. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote 
on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Wow. What a story. Law and order. How does God deal with sinners? So Jesus leaves the Mount of Olives that morning, comes back into the temple. The people gladly flock around him to listen to him teach the word of God. The leaders show up, they do their thing and oppose him. And this woman is brought fresh from the act of adultery. And many people have always asked, well, where was the man? (laughs) Yeah, well, anyway, they brought her and put her in the mist. And they were accusing her of being literally guilty of this, and, and she was. This was not made up, it was real. Now, I believe that they had strategized long and hard about how to put Jesus in an impossible situation. If he condemns her to death, the people will probably hate him because it will seem heartless. But they, they thought, but if he condones it and just passes over it, then he'll be guilty of breaking the law. And you know, with this woman being faced with the possibility of death, depending on what Jesus did, and and being guilty, and I don't know, I'm sure she was clothed when they brought her in the temple, but maybe just with a sheet, I don't know. But anyway... By this point, I can imagine that she probably wanted to die. This was the most embarrassing moment in her entire life of that, I'm sure. And she could be killed for it. It reminds me of an illustration I heard of a judge whose child was brought before him. In the illustration, it was a son, but we'll make it his daughter right here. Now, I know that that shouldn't happen. You know, a judge should not be ruling on his own family and so forth. But anyway, just work with me here. So the judge has his daughter come before him in his courtroom. The judge cannot just pass over it and let her go, right? Right? because he's sworn to uphold the law, 
yet he loves his daughter. So he doesn't really want to lower the hammer on her and give her a, the full sentence, you know, tend to life. So, so the judge says, I'm going to meet justice. I'm going to pay the fine that she owes and I'm going to let my daughter go with a warning. Now, I know that this would not happen in a courtroom, but you see what I'm, you see the illustration here. Justice is met. The, the, the criminal is confronted, and yet the daughter is not condemned. Does that make sense? Well, I want to show you what, what we'll just call here the third way. The third way, other than condemning her to death, or condoning her sin was conviction. And I mean that in a spiritual sense. When you or I do something as sinners, it is a sin. The Spirit of God through the Word of God brings conviction on our heart, on our conscience. And we repent of that. That is, we, we agree with God. We, we confess it. We agree with Him, we turn from it, and we're forgiven. That's the third way here that somehow these religious leaders had completely, completely missed this possibility. They should have strategized even more, right? But you know, I, I'm interested in the fact that when they brought her in, Jesus didn't say anything right away. And we have the two the two parts here where he stoops down and with his finger writes on the ground and he's not saying anything. Now many people have wondered what was he writing? Maybe the sins that these men were guilty of. Well, it doesn't say that. That's a possibility, I'm sure. But whatever he was doing, I would say this, silence is not only golden, silence is powerful. Just that moment of silence. Once he had been silent uh, th these couple of times, he showed them the third way which didn't violate any of this because he was going to pay on the cross the penalty that she so justly owed he would die in her place not many months from now. Now, they could not have comprehended that, I know, but the Lord knew that justice would be satisfied. And instead, though, is the way of, of conviction, of forgiveness. Now, there's an interesting part to this I want you to, to wrap your heart and mind around because some of you are under the misconception that Jesus never claimed to be God. Oh, that is so wrong, especially in the Gospel of John. And I want to show you right here why that's wrong and that Jesus does, in fact, right here, claim to be God. Just jot these passages down and you can look at them later. Matthew 9, verse 3. Matthew 9, 3. Mark 2, verse 7, Mark chapter 2, verse 7, Luke 5, verse 21, Luke 5, 21. Now I'm going to concentrate on Mark 2, 7. 
at the end of that verse, like the last half of it, it says, and it, it was the religious leaders questioning this, and the people probably too, but especially the religious leaders, who can forgive sins but God only? This is what they said in those passages, not about this event, but a similar, um, a, a different type of event where he heals somebody by forgiving their sins. And in Luke 5.21, they said, who can forgive sins but God alone? So they had set up the dynamic, the framework that, hey, only God can forgive sin, right? That's what they said, and, and that's true. Only God can give spiritual forgiveness and moral forgiveness, legal forgiveness for sins we committed because ultimately, even though they may harm other people, ultimately sin is against God himself right? Now, I can forgive someone on a human basis for harming me, sinning against me. That is, I'm not going to hold it against them and take revenge on them, and I forgive them. But I'm talking about the ultimate forgiveness that releases our debt of sin. Only God can do that, right? And the Jewish religious leaders knew this, and they said this, and Jesus forgives her. Right here, Jesus takes the position and the role that only God can take. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, I want to point out here a very important thing. The Lord Jesus Christ not only did not condemn her, he also did not condone her sin. Because he said, go and sin no more. That is, the, the events that brought you here, repent. And I, I want to believe that she did. Because she, she said there, when he said, or, you know, aren't, aren't there any, isn't there anybody left to condemn you? She said, no man, Lord, she essentially called Jesus God. I want you, if, if you are under the misconception that Jesus never claimed to be God, I want you to ponder all that I just said. Because he forgave her sin and she called him Lord. Think about what I'm saying. So, this is a great thing that happens here because we need to know that sin can be forgiven and Jesus is just the one to do it because he's God and the way that in, in perfect law and order, the way that God deals with sin is he pays the price himself in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross Jesus is dead and buried, and then he's resurrected on the third day, proving that the Father accepted his payment to cover our sin. He accepted that, and Christ was resurrected, literally, physically. Wow, 
This is a great concept, and it's ours for the taking if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we trust Him as the Savior from our sins. So we see that He offers forgiveness. And you know what? He still does that today. I believe that many people are listening to this podcast who are searching for assurance that their penalty of sin, that their sin can be forgiven. And you are discovering that Jesus died to pay your sin debt, to pay it in full. And the only logical, spiritual, personal response to that is to turn to Him as your Savior and Lord. But I'm Hindu. Turn to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. But I'm, I'm Islamic. Turn to Jesus Christ, not as a human prophet in Islam, but as God that He is, as your Savior and Lord. But I'm Jehovah's Witness, and we don't believe Jesus is God. Turn to Jesus Christ as God who forgives sin, who died on the cross, was buried, and resurrected the third day to prove that He is not not only to prove that He is God, but also that His sacrifice for sin paid the price in full. You do not have to work anymore to be accepted by the Father. But now, when you become a Christian, you will serve the Lord, not out of duty, but out of devotion and love. Not to earn your salvation, but because you have salvation in Jesus Christ. And you may be from some other religion, Mormonism or um, Baha'i or Shintoism, turn to Jesus Christ as the only God. Now, Jesus is about to say essentially what I've just said. For example, if you turn to Christ as a Hindu, you, you do not now have 300 million and one gods. You have one God, Jesus Christ, and the rest are false gods. If you're Buddhist, you are no longer trying to follow the eightfold path and discover peace with God or peace within yourself. You are turning to Christ as God. Now, watch what happens in verse 12 in John 8. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus claims to be the light that every man and woman, teenager, boy and girl in the world is looking for. In John, he will reveal himself as being seven things. We've seen two of them before already in the Gospel of John. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In John 7 last week, we saw that he said, I am the water of life. I am the living water. 
And here we see that He proclaims the truth about Himself, that He is the light of the world. So what I've been saying about Him being uh, more than a man, for sure, more than a man, He backs up right here. Not that He's backing me up. I'm claiming, I'm telling you what He's claiming. Now, right at this point would be a good point for anybody to fall on their knees and trust Christ as Savior and Lord, as God become a man, the perfect God-man. But that's not what happens. Verse 13, The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go. But ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy Father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my Father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whither I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then they said unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up, and that means crucified, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And He, uh, uh, excuse me, verse 29, and He that sent me is with me, 
The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. As He spake these words, many believed on Him. I love that. Many believed on Him. But watch what He says in verse 31. Jesus is not looking for superficial belief in Him like... um, Oh, yeah, I believe in George Washington. Well, that, you know, unless you're a great historical student or something, that probably doesn't change your life very much. Jesus is not looking for a vague mental assent like, oh, yeah, I guess he's God. He's looking for those who give their lives and hearts to him alone. Watch this, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. So let me put it a different way. This this is something you should realize. If you claim to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you will you will be a student of His Word, the Bible, of His truth. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, you will allow Him to apply the Bible to your life so that over the course of your life, you become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that, well, I walked the aisle once when I was seven. My mama told me, so I must be saved, like Forrest Gump. All right, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a point where you reach absolute desperation, that you are not only a sinner who commits sins, but because you are a sinner, You are destined and bound right now for a sinner's hell. Jesus warned of that. And he warns these here in this passage. And he warns you right now. If you are not truly a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have never been truly saved, if you have never been born again from above by the Spirit of God as you trust only in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you're not that, then you will die in your sins. You will have to pay the price for your sins, which will end up being eternally because you never can pay that debt. You have to be a sinless sacrifice in order to pay the debt. And Jesus was sinless. He was our sacrifice. He paid the debt. When I trust Him, what what He is, who He is, is imputed to me. His sinlessness is now given to me. That is, I'm forgiven. I have no sin debt to pay, as if I ever could anyway. I can't. Neither can you. Have you trusted Jesus Christ 
like that? Well, I go to Mass every week. Unless you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, like he's talking about here, and we're, he's not done yet. Wait till you hear what else he says. Unless you trust him like he says here, you will die in your sins. Pastor Ed, this is a hard message. Hey, this is the truth. The bridge is out, and this train is heading for that bridge. I would rather tell you the truth and have you be angry with me than lie to you and you spend an eternity in a Christless hell. Verse 32, Jesus continues, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, what we're about to hear that they answer is just baffling because he, he tells them that they're not free, they're slaves to sin. But then they're going to give him an answer like from the physical realm. And uh, it's just crazy. But sinners are crazy, all right? And we're going to see this right here, verse 33. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? And I'm thinking, come on, guys. What about 400 years of slavery in Egypt? <laughs> I mean, like, what a gloss over, right? For four centuries, they have been the slaves of the Egyptians. We were never in bondage to any man. Come on. This is not dealing with reality, right? And then, not only that, in current time when they said this, the Roman Empire had its heel on the neck of Israel. Rome ruled Israel and Jerusalem. We were never in bondage to any man. Men, talk about self-deception. Well, some of you are just as deceived today. You're thinking, well, I don't need Jesus, but I'm free. I can live life my way, and I'll work my way to heaven. You are in so much slavery and denial, it's breathtaking if you're talking like that. But Jesus goes on, verse 34. Jesus answered them, verily, verily. Now that means truthfully, truthfully, or truth of truths. Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth forever. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Now, in verse 37, in my mind, he kind of adjusts himself to their limited way of thinking because they were saying, you know, that, that physically they were the, the descendants of Abraham. Okay, so it's sort of like he shifts gears here in verse 37. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my Father. 
and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan, and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory, for there is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And thou sayest, if a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death? Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, 
thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? I think they probably were laughing out loud at this point. What mockery. What ridicule. It reminds me of Satan. And they are, they are being motivated by Satan right now because he's the father of lies. He's a murderer from the beginning. Verse 58. Now I want you, again, if you're under the misconception that Jesus never claimed to be God, Verses 58 and 59 are going to demolish that deception. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Did you see what just happened there, my friend? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. That is, before Abraham ever even existed, I am God. You remember back, uh, you might not remember it if you don't know the Bible very well, so let me help you out. In Exodus 3.14, Moses asked when he goes back to the Israelite people in bondage to the Egyptians, I might point out, <laughs> when, when he asked, who, who, who do I tell him sent me? What, what God you remember how God answered that in Exodus 3.14? I am that I am. God just is. He's eternally existent. Not just pre-existent. He's, we can't understand this, friends, but there's never been a time when God has not been. And Jesus says here, before Abraham was, before he was ever born, I am. Now, for some of you uh, wise guys who are listening right now, you're probably saying, well, that doesn't prove anything. Uh, he's just saying, you know, whatever. So you're, you're saying it doesn't prove anything. Then, well, the Jews... The Jewish leadership right here certainly understood what he said. Why? Because they grabbed as many stones as fast as they could to put him to death for claiming to be God, for blasphemy. Then they took up stones to cast at him. You see what I'm saying? They understood exactly what Jesus was saying. He's saying, I'm the God that appeared to uh, Moses. I'm the God who appeared to Abraham. I created Moses. I created Abraham. I created you. And he's saying to you today that he created you. Jesus Christ is God. And in this episode, Law and Order, how God deals with sinners, well, we've seen that 
that he doesn't gloss over the sin. It has to be confronted. There has to be conviction and confession. There has to be agreement with God. And when we, when we do that, there is forgiveness because he pays the price. He paid the price for our sins. And he was raised again, literally, physically, from the dead on the third day. After 50 days, he ascended back to heaven. Uh, it, he, he went there that morning of the resurrection, but he appeared to the disciples, the apostles, and others during that 50 days after that. And he, he ascended back to heaven to stay there until now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father as the Son, fully God, as fully God as the Father, as fully God as the Spirit of God. And He's coming again to take His church home. Jesus is God. He's not a God. He is the God and he said here about himself that he's the light of the world. And we saw in this running argument that Jesus had between himself and the religious leaders, it was a, a tale of two fathers. And this is true of you today. When you're born into this world, yes, God created you, but spiritually, because you're a sinner, he's not your father until you are born again, a second birth by the Spirit of God when you trust Christ. And until that time, really, you're under the, the fatherhood of Satan. You're lost and on your way to hell. I, I want you to know today that one of the other things that, that I want to tell you before we finish out today is this. It's possible to be religious to be very religious, even to be a religious leader and be lost as these people were who were arguing with Jesus. And it must have felt to the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry like trying to rescue a man from a burning building and being beaten up by the man for trying to rescue him. That must have been how it felt. Well, right now, you might be saying, who needs Jesus? <laughs> I've got a better question for you. Who doesn't? And that includes you. Maybe you're at the point where you will give your life to Christ right now. You don't have all the answers. You don't even know much about the Bible, but you know you're a sinner. You know he's God. You know he paid the price on the cross. He rose again the third day. And knowing as little as you know, you are ready to come to Christ. We'll do it. Confess your sin to Him that you need Him and trust Him as your Savior and Lord. I'm going to give you a phone number that you can call either to help you do that or after you've done that to get free help about with your new life in Christ. You can call 888 888- 5378720 one more time 
888-888-8720. You can even email me, Pastor Ed Hill at gmail.com. I will be happy to know you trusted Christ. Maybe you even have a question about doing that, or now that you've done it, what do you need to do? Well, I recommend highly you call the the 888 number I gave you there, but you can email me if you would like to do it. Again, I thank you for listening to This Week in the Word as we've been in our episode in Behold Your God, Law and Order, How God Deals with Sinners, and I hope you have new hope today in Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to help me help others. I want to ask you to let your friends and relatives, your family, your neighbors, co-workers, your enemies, your teammates, your schoolmates, whoever, let people know about this podcast because everybody needs to know about Jesus. Tell them they can easily find it by just typing into their browser, www.dredhill.podbean.com. That's D-R, no period after the D-R, D-R, E-D-H-I-L-L dot P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com. Dr. Ed Hill dot Podbean dot com. That is the home of This Week in the Word. Tell others so they can listen as well. Well, we'll be back with our next episode next week from John chapter 9. I'm honored that you listen today. I hope you're glad you listened and you will let others know as well. Thanks so much. And have a great week in the Lord is my prayer for you.